Hey family, welcome to the Catalyst for Change Leadership Podcast, where we help leaders lead better. I'm your host, Zach Pruitt, and just so excited that you are joining us today. So let's dive in. Well, welcome to today's episode, and I am so excited to welcome Neha Naik um, to the episode with us today. And we're going to be talking about establishing a thriving workplace environment. Neha, how are you doing today? Hey, Zach. I'm well. How are you? Thank you for having me here. Yeah, so excited to have you on with us and excited for our conversation. But before we dig in too far, um, why don't you just take the opportunity to tell the listener a little bit about who you are and what you do? Yes. So I live in Houston, Texas uh, with my husband and two little kids. I have a six-year-old and a three-year-old and I'm a serial entrepreneur. I started my entrepreneurship journey about eight and a half, nine years ago. Um, and, you know, actually aspired to be a physician growing up and then realized that wasn't the right fit for me and um, fell into the lap of recruiting. <laughs> um, and basically from there, I have built a seven-figure recruiting agency. Um, I also have a B2C business, which works with parents um, and instill healthy sleep hygiene with their kids. And then finally, a data analytics agency as well. So um, yeah, it's it's a very, very busy, uh, busy life that, that I have. <laughs> no doubt. Well, the kids alone. <laughs> and then you add all the other things. Yep, definitely. <laughs> so fun. So I'm curious where, um, you know, you were going to be a physician. So where did you determine or how did you determine that recruiting and was, was the path that you wanted to take? Like, how did that transition happen? Yeah, great question. So once I decided to not continue with med school, I, you know, took a couple of months to figure out what I wanted to do. And um, one of, you know, my husband's friends at the time had a recruiting agency and he was like, why don't you come and work here and see if you like it just until you kind of figure things out. And then I absolutely fell in love with it. And basically from then on um, was working, you know, for in-house recruiting teams and then also agencies. And then about eight and a half years ago, I said, okay, I want to start my own thing. I want to, you know, own my own business um, because that's the American dream, right? Be an entrepreneur. But for me, it wasn't as, um, you know, it wasn't as black and white. I actually started freelancing. And then my husband was like, why don't you just start your own business? Like you're already freelancing, create an LLC. And so I remember him and I after dinner creating the name of the LLC. So um, I'm actually here because he really, truly motivated me to, to start my own business. And then from there, I just got really busy. I got some really good clients. And, you know, I decided to stick specifically in the tech startup realm only because I wanted to work directly with the change makers, right? So the founders, the, the CEOs, the, um, the co-founders, even leadership teams and investors where I could actually make a difference and not just hire great talent, but then also, um, you know, provide guidance on how to retain top talent, because I think that's really a sore point right now in the recruiting industry. Yeah, no, it, it definitely is. So as someone who is an entrepreneur, you've started your own business. Um, you, One of the things that you talk about is the three pillars that were crucial to starting your business, and you've used those to help others build theirs. So can you mm -hmm. talk a little bit about what those three pillars are and, and just a little bit about them? Sure. Yeah. Happy to. So my very first pillar is the first impression systems. And it's exactly what it says. It's the very first impression that, you know, my clients or even the candidates that I work with really kind of see through when I talk to them or when my, you know, team talks to them. And it's about how we write a mission and uh, mission, vision and value driven job description so that their first impression is is very polished. Right. It's very transparent. It's very honest, because I truly believe that 
for me to even grow my agency or for my clients to grow their businesses along with my my help, um, you have to be really transparent, honest, and polished. Candidates nowadays have a lot of choices. They 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 know that they have choices. And since pandemic, people care about the quality and the culture of the company that they're going to join. So the first impression system really allows for people to take you know account into that, right? Like take into account what how you're going to reach out to people what is your tone how are you going to talk to people um so that's the very first pillar the second pillar is the cohesive culture method because i truly believe that a culture can make or break a company right it doesn't matter how amazing of a product or service you have it doesn't matter how many profit margins you have but if your culture sucks you are not going to have the top talent stay with you. You're not even going to be able to hire the top talent because there's all these cultural changes constantly and it's overwhelming for everybody, including the leadership, right? And people can see through that. We can read through between the lines and we understand when things don't feel comfortable, they don't feel safe. And, you know, I always say like, you, the way you define culture is when you shut down your computer and you walk away from your computer, what happens after you go to work is how your team culture is or your company culture is. So if you shut down your computer and you're cranky and you're upset because of something that happened at work, you're probably not working at a good place or with, with a good culture, right? Because that's really how you define it. Um, and then my final pillar is the Compass Leadership System, um, which basically just tell, you know is when you are looking to grow your business, you need a compass. You need to know which direction you are going in so that you're able to really then not just guide yourselves as founders and investors, but also your team. Because again, if you don't have the retention and you don't have the transparency between the founders and what's going on with the employees, then it really creates this hierarchy, which is unhealthy, right? Then you think of this you know, mentality of a CEO sitting in an office building somewhere far away from other people those days are long gone, right? People want to feel like they're in the know. People want to feel included in major decisions. They want transparency. Like how did our quarter go? Why did our quarter not go well? You know, how can they do? How can they help? And so having that leadership of, you know, someone who's kind of has a compass in their hand and says, we're going in that direction and here's why. And being transparent is going to go a long way. Yeah, for sure. So since you started your own recruiting agency, and that's where your passion and this is something that I'm particularly interested in, because I am a hiring manager myself. But how do you train hiring managers? Or maybe what what do hiring managers need to do? Um, just best interview practices, so that they can help bring in high caliber talent to the company? Well, I just want to first say that becoming a quality hiring manager or interviewer doesn't happen overnight, right? There's a reason why recruiters exist. And a lot of people don't understand that. And it's, you know, assumed that when people become hiring managers, that they automatically know how to do the job. And the reason why it's so hard is a lot of times hiring managers haven't really been hiring, right? Like they haven't really been interviewing. It's maybe like 20, 30% of their skills, but not as much. And so it's really important that you know, to obtain skills like closing on uh, on calls or having a human-centric approach, being receptive to candidates, not just by what they're saying in the interview or what's on their resume, but also kind of reading between the lines, right? And so really my goal, I have 20 hours of training videos and hiring manager training that I provide, but my goal is to, how do you take out the interview bias? How do you take out, you know, some of your subconscious, unconscious, whatever bias that you may have, and that set that way we can set up hiring managers for success, right? Because at the end of the day, I truly believe that candidates onboarding starts on the first call they have with the hiring manager, right? Because 
we all believe again in first impressions. And so the way that the hiring managers, you know, talk to candidates and what they do um, is, is something that's going to be, you know, kind of ingrained in us, right? Like how many times have you talked to somebody when you've had a bad interview experience? Like, oh my gosh, I just had the worst interview experience. This person had no idea what they were talking about. We all do that, right? This is human nature. This is human psychology. So our methodology really just depends on how do you take your mission, your vision, your values, and your goals as an organization and translate that into training hiring managers so they are transparent, they're honest, they communicate, but they're also receptive to what the candidate has to say in a way to where they can almost guarantee that once the interview is done, they can close them, right? Because what you don't want to do is drag candidates through five or six rounds of interviews only then to say the can't for the candidate to say, Oh, I signed with somebody else. Right? right. And I feel like that stuff can definitely course corrected very early on. Yeah. And I can say, you know, I, whenever I first stepped into a hiring manager role, I was never trained on, you know, interviewing and, and looking for these signs and, and reading between the lines, doing all these things that you're saying, like that was something that I was never trained on. Um, yeah. And one thing, you know, that I experienced, um, you know, still on occasion, not as much anymore, but I have experienced those situations. And you were kind of talking about this earlier, I think, is we, you know, I do my interview with someone. And from what my understanding was, the recruiter already discussed certain things with the candidate. So I kind of went a different direction, asked different questions, that sort of thing. And then right. we get the person in the role. And then they're like, oh, well, I, I was never told I had to do this. Or, you know, I was never informed about this. And, you know, and then that just leads to frustration that leads to other issues. So um, let's let's talk about starting, you know, about establishing a thriving workplace environment for a little bit, because that's that's really what I what I want to hone in on. What does a thriving workplace environment look like? And then how do businesses really actually achieve that? That's a really good question. I'm glad you asked that. And I think two words come to mind when you think of, you know, thriving workplace, at least to me. The very first word is, or the phrase is a sense of belonging, right? People want to belong. Um, they don't want to be treated as numbers. Um, they definitely want people to care about their opinion. So that sense of belonging, that sense of this is my community. These are my people. That's huge. And the second thing that comes to mind is um, employees that are driven to be purposeful, right? So it's not that you're enforcing like, okay, by 5 p.m. I need this, but it's really about driving and, and really kind of um, bringing up within your employees a sense of purpose that really aligns with your mission and your vision, right? Because if you have, you know, employees that feel like they have a purpose and that feel like they belong, then you're going to have employees that are engaged, they're motivated and they're excited to show up, right? And so to me, a really healthy and vibrant culture, um, you're really encompasses of these two critical qualities. Now, how do you accomplish that, right? Because this is easier said than done in a lot of cases. And we always hear about, you know, um, and I myself have worked at companies that weren't healthy culturally, right? So how do you, um, you know, provide for a thriving workplace that has a supportive culture? So a couple of things is making sure that, you know, you are placing employees where they can live out their true potential. So, you know, a lot of times what we do within my agency is we hire someone for a role because of the way they interviewed. But, you know, three, four months down the line, if they're like, hey, you know what? I actually really see myself doing this. We're like, okay, let's talk about that, right? Because if that's where you see your true potential, then who am I to stop you? You know, I may give you some training. I may encourage you to watch some YouTube videos or LinkedIn videos just so you can get, you know, up to speed. And I can mentor you until you get comfortable, but I'm, I'm happy to honor that. And that's, I think a lot of times, you know, people don't do that. They're like, it's either this 
or that. So you really have to be cognizant of that, right? Secondly, I think you really have to um, focus on DEI initiatives, right? So again, respecting where people come from, their cultural background, um, respecting what they do outside of work, outside of the work boundaries is is huge. It's critical. And that's how you're going to retain, you know, top caliber talent. And then finally, allowing um, employees, and this is what we do is, you know, we have a book club. So doing things that really allow them to thrive um, professionally and personally. So, you know, having some type of a stipend where they can purchase a book or they can, you know, take that baking class that they've always wanted to take or take a LinkedIn training on spreadsheets or AI or whatever that looks like, right? Because I think when you support them, um, and a lot of times what happens is companies uh, and especially founders, they have that scarcity mindset. Like, well, if I teach them this and they're going to leave me and go somewhere else. And I say, okay, so what? you still made a very positive impact. And trust me, if you really do your job right, people will not leave you. People will stay with you until, you know, until the end, because as Simon Sinek says, there is just cause. And so if they truly believe in the just cause and you're providing them the supportive environment and you're giving them the purpose and a sense of belonging, they're not going to want to leave. And so I think that's how you create a thriving workplace. Yeah. And I, I, I think that through that sense of belonging and that drive, you know, pushing them to be purposeful, that creates ownership within that person that causes them to want to stay. You know, it becomes, you know, this is the company I work for. This is what I do. And, you know, it, it just creates that ownership. So do you think that um, establishing and building a thriving workplace environment, is that something that starts on day one? of a new employee being on the job, or does that actually really have to start back in the, in the, the recruiting stage of trying to bring someone on? I think it starts um, on the day one that you contact that person, right? Or they contact you. So it definitely starts um, even before the interview process. And it could be a LinkedIn message, an email message, a job application, right? Because I think when you are um, when you are really thinking about your company culture, that experience doesn't start with onboarding. It doesn't start with when you know a candidate accepts an offer. That stuff comes after. You know the reason why when you have a thriving workplace, that is the reason why people join companies and people sign offer letters. So that you know has to start before that, right? Um, and so really, it's about integrating your vision, your vision, your mission, your values, your culture into job descriptions, into your recruiters that are actually doing the outreach, right, and creating again a quality onboarding process because you don't want people to come in confused and you know have you ever been onboarded like I have and and when you're like okay I don't know what to do like it's 8 a.m and I'm supposed to start today but where do I go what do I do um you know there's really no thought there right and it's really important you want candidates to feel confident they you want them to feel you know confident in your skills so again the job description goes a long way telling candidates what to expect when to expect it is huge right hiring manager training goes a long way because if you don't have hiring managers skilled at interviewing then you're going to have good caliber candidates leave for another company because they were like this hiring manager call instead of making me feel confident about this company has now left me even more confused and confused buyers don't buy right so confused candidates don't convert um, and so it's really important to have you know candidates understand understand the company journey even before they have an interview. And I think that goes a long way, right? Because once they, you know, meet with the team and have some type of a rapport with the team, they should already know why the company's here. Why did the founders or co-founders start the business? Mm. And that is really what I feel like glues the whole relationship, um, you know, between a candidate and hiring manager and just all the way to an offer to when, when you do the offer call, it's an easy yes. You're not having to compete with salaries. You're not having to compete with benefits. You're just having to compete with how your experience was versus somebody else's hiring experience. 
and that you can control. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. So obviously um, I think we all realize that retention is such a big issue in the workplace. Um, what is leadership's role in recruiting and retaining top talent? Yep. Great question. I think first and foremost, leadership has, has to be on the same page, right? And I say this because I see a lot of times when you have co-founders that don't agree um, about like hiring plan, about job description, about compensation. Um, and then they're wondering why people are leaving. And I'm like, you first have to get on the same page, right? So if you are not sure, hire somebody to figure out what that looks like, right? Because again, without a good hiring plan, without key objectives for which you are hiring the person for, a good compensation package, a good benefits package, you're going to lose people because you're going to, again, seem confused and muddled, right? Um, and in my opinion, in a perfect world, a really, really good comprehensive job description should lay out what the hire is going to do in the first three to six months, because that will really define the long-term vision of the role. And it'll also give them confidence of like, okay, we just want to know what we're getting into, right? Like job transitions, job changes are significant, significant moments in our life. These are not things that people take jokingly, right? It's not like you buy a pair of t-shirt and you can switch one out because you didn't like it. This is your life. This is your career. This is going to put bread and butter on the table, right? So again, laying that out instills a sense of confidence within employees. And that's huge. So in order to retain employees, I think that's number one, like making sure you have a solidified hiring plan, onboarding plan, what the, the new hire is going to do for the first three to six months, right? The second thing that leaders need to do is always be up to date on industry trends, right? And any particular skills and qualifications that are needed for open roles on their teams, right? Because they should really develop of, um, a sense of what's out there instead of being siloed in. And I feel like a lot of founders um, are at fault. And sometimes I have to really be like, no, today I have to listen to a podcast that has to do about my business. Even though I don't have the time, I'll do it when I'm in the shower. I'll do it when I'm on a jog. I'll do it when I'm picking up the kids. I don't care. But really staying in the know. Because if you're not in the know and you don't know what the trends are, you're not going to be able to pivot and people are going to see that. And people will say stuff like, you know, I just feel like we're not going in the right direction, right? I don't feel, I feel like the initiatives that are at this company and the reason I joined, it's becoming stale. I'm not really excited to show up anymore, right? Um, and so that's another thing that, you know, leaders need to do. Um, the other thing is, again, this developing this culture of equity, right? And diversity and inclusion, that's huge because once you have the right amount of respect and you have um, you know, transparency and an open door policy and a flat hierarchy and this culture of, you know, I want to tell you what's going on, good or bad, right? That is what's going to, again, infiltrate that purpose and it's going to drive employees to show up, right? Whether they, you know, whether even if the company had a poor Q3 or Q4, people are going to stick around because they care again for the culture and they care about the transparency and they know that it's going to be very hard to find it somewhere else. Mm-hmm. How often, um, and this is just kind of more of a random question that's just come to mind, how often do you find that um, lack of compensation or benefits keeps someone from taking a position? You know, I would say that pre-pandemic, it was huge. And I think now people will actually, they're willing to take a little bit of a pay cut to work in an organization that values them, that values their work-life integration, um, that values you know them spending time with their family. Um, that's become a priority to people. So people will say, I'd rather work from home, even if that means I go from 150 to 120, because those 30K, like I can't, that's invaluable to me. Yeah. Right? I want to be there yeah. for my kids' soccer games. Um, and so that's something that's, I think, huge. And that has changed. And that's why 
this culture, this first impression system and being the compass leader, you know, that's really going to separate you because yes, you can always give people more money. But the, the point is, if you do, are they going to stay with you? Yeah. Is, the, is the money just going to keep them temporarily with you until they find the next best thing that really aligns well with what they wanting to, you know, uh, what their purpose is in life? Yeah, yeah, that's really interesting. And, and, you know, again, you know, in all reality, money only does have so much value. You know, exactly. And money is energy, right? So it's energy. It flows from one person to another. So it's a matter of how do you look at it and where do you want to have that energy and where you're okay to spend that energy or take less of that. Right. And so I, I really feel like, you know, having that conversation about money's energy. And if you, if that's what something that magnetizes you to what extent, you mm -hmm. know, and that's a conversation that I think a lot of people need to have with their, you know, uh, candidates. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So we are nearing the end of our time together, but do you have any last thoughts that you want to leave the, listen the listener with? Yeah, you know, I, I think one of the things that came to mind when I was, you know, kind of thinking about that question is, um, especially now with, you know, recession looming ahead and people taking less risks, you know, one thing I do want to leave the listeners with is please, please, please do not, do not, do not, under any circumstance, um, hinder your recruiting process. It's extremely important that you have a quality recruiting process, even if it means you hire a consultant, an agency, whatever that looks like to you, just please make sure that you're honoring a proper recruitment process because you are going to save money long-term when you do your diligence upfront. And I think that goes a long way, um, especially for a startup where cash is king. Yeah, yeah. Do you find that it is, it's usually the smaller businesses um, or startups, like you said, that are trying to, you know, watch the the bottom dollar? I think so. I think so. Especially now, um, you know, people are taking less risks. And so they want to make sure that, you know, whatever amount that they have, whether it's from an investor, whether it's a loan, that they're, you know, making sure that they're using it appropriately. And I respect that. And now as a small business owner, I totally get that. But if you compromise on hiring, again, no matter how amazing your product or service is, you are not going to be able to retain the talent. And then you're going to be constantly turning your wheels because people are going to leave you and you're going to have like half completed projects. Yeah. And that's going to lead to a more frustrated team, which is going to cause more people to leave you because now you're having two people do the job of four because two people just left your team. Yeah. So just yeah. underestimate how powerful um, the hiring process is. And if you're not sure, like take trainings, right? Reach out to the right people. There's a lot of industry leaders out there within hiring um, and equity and culture that you can, you know, hire and, and make sure that you're set up for success because spending a little bit more upfront is going to save you a lot down the road. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like, um, cutting corners on the recruiting process, you're really just, you're, you're starting off on the wrong foot from the get go. You know, you're exactly. trying so hard to build your business, bring on new employees and do all these things, but you skip probably the most important step in actually bringing in the employees that you need. So you're just yeah. starting off on the wrong foot from the get go. Um, exactly. so yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, that is about the end of our time together, but real quick, how can the listener connect with you and learn more about what you do? Yep. So you can find me on LinkedIn. Uh, my, my LinkedIn name is Neha Dixit Naik. So N-E-H-A-D-I-X-I-T dash N-A-I-K. And then you can also find me on my website, which is recruitgyan.com. So it's recruitgyan.com. Perfect. Well, thank you so much again for being on here. It has been a pleasure. Um, well, that's another episode of the Catalyst for Change Leadership podcast, where we help leaders lead better. Make sure that you subscribe and share. It does help more than you know, and we will see you again next week.
Thanks, Zach. Thank you for listening. Thank you so much. Okay.